This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into the Gators Online Podcast. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Toro here. We are joined by a very special guest, Florida Gators Athletic Director Scott Strickland, live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. And a lot of topics here to uh, cover with Scott today. Appreciate just you coming one through. One full hour of baseball talk. That's, that's what, right. That's Let's what go. Scott, and I, <laughs> Scott and I figured out, right? Just one hour of baseball. That's, I mean, this is, that's your guys' favorite sport. Yeah. First half hour, we'll talk the rotations. Second half hour, the lineup. Yeah. We'll leave a little bit of time at the end for the bullpen, right? <laughs> and then we have to start projecting where is Florida going to go for a region. Absolutely. So they're yeah, the plenty to talk about have you seen some of his old baseball highlights back in the day he's still got his Mine? profile yeah oh my, my perfect game profile yeah, yeah it's I still ex- not, no i've not it's up there we actually have Is some that of, in your twitter bio that link it's, it's, it's <laughs> not it's not in my twitter bio no so well obviously uh baseball is fun time of year and uh, a lot of fun things going on scott with ford athletics uh Football, basketball, new coaches, but obviously the facilities and, and everything coming up with the complex. We saw today on on Twitter, we got a little sneak peek of Katie Turner and some of the players. I don't know what they were looking at. That was, was a tease. The new locker room? Yeah, it was, it, it, allegedly it was the new locker room, a little video put out. with. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, it was actually the lockers that will go in the new locker okay. room. Okay. Okay. That um, are are pretty spectacular. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's something that uh, we're, we can't wait for the facility to be completed. I was in it uh, two days ago. I had a chance to walk through it, and uh, it it it's coming along really quickly. And we're probably a couple months away, uh, so sometime in July, late July, our kids will be able to get in there. And can't wait to show off, you know, all the incredible areas and the you know the video wall and all the graphics. But that locker room may be a place that you might have to come on a visit to, to <laughs> actually get a chance to see that. But it's going to be unlike any in 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 football, not just college football, any in football that um, uh, you know I, I think is going to be really special. Now, fans always talk about this, you know, uh, and Florida's always, I guess, have the standpoint of we're not going to put stuff in there just to put it in there, just because somebody else had a chocolate water fountain. <laughs> um, we don't need that. That's not necessary. So, how did you balance? making it state-of-the-art, making it what's going to excite the fa- uh, fans, kids, the student-athletes that are in there, and not say, hey, we need 24-karat gold faucets everywhere. Well, you know, I think there's a, a way to make it really nice and not be wasteful, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Um, there's – I like nice things. <laughs> so you 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 uh, you go into the Florida ballpark or KDC Seashell Presley Stadium or some of these renovations that we've done, I, I think they have a nice uh, – quality to them but yeah. you know they're again there's not gold-plated toilets um you know there's some really cool things in this uh in the football building and and part of it is we get a chance to tell our story uh you know make sure that you're highlighting the heismans and the national championship trophies yeah. and the sec championships and all those things that you're so proud of nfl guys all that stuff um, but there's there's some functionality that uh, to what's going to go on there but you can also make the functionality piece really nice without it being wasteful. Yeah. What yeah. are some of the uh, biggest things that – or not biggest things, but some of the things, that, should I say, that, that Billy came in and wanted mm. the, that facility to kind of have for him and, and some of the things that maybe were tweaked along the way? 
there, there, I wouldn't say there's anything major on that list. Sure. Billy, one, one of my memories is he had been on, he, you know, we hired him at the end of November. He coached that last game the first week in December at Louisiana. I think it was about two weeks later, he had a big recruiting weekend and it was his first time to walk through the facility with the, and he was with the recruits yeah. and the recruits went through and they, you know, they had moved on and he hung back and he and myself and Chip Howard were, we were, Chip and I were kind of showing him some things and pointing out some things because at this point walls weren't up and it was yeah. kind of big open spaces inside. And so we we're trying to point some things out and, and I, I just, he got this grin on his face and his comment to me was, uh, we've got a loaded gun here. Like this thing <laughs> is, is going to be pretty powerful when it's, when it's all said and done. Yeah. So a lot of his tweaks were related to, you know, we have this huge graphics package we'd put together. He had some different sayings and different um, emphasis that he wanted to make sure. through the graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a part of the coach's offices. We, we moved a few things around, some walls around to create some different spaces that he wanted yeah. in the coaching space. You know, the locker room really didn't change. The, you know, we, we may have squeezed a few more lockers in, in a certain <laughs> area. Um, have to make any accommodations for the Army at all? You know, it's funny. So, um, a whole new building going on yeah. at a different side of campus. There was, there, was a, there was actually a space in the building on the second floor that was, that was uh, uh, not going to be enclosed. It was a second floor, kind of a roof above like the loading dock equipment area. Mm-hmm. And, and during the construction design, Dan Mullen actually said, you know, why don't we close this in? There's always going to be a need for more people. Mm-hmm, so sure. we'll, we need the building to have the ability to expand. Yeah. Can we close that in and just like capture it? So one day if we want to go in and do something, we could. So, <laughs> okay, good idea. We did that. And, and Dan, to his credit, had a lot of really good ideas ab- about the facility. Um, so we, we captured that space and our thought was, you know, three to five years, we may have to, you know, yeah. kind of uh, create some work areas in mm-hmm. that, in that it's about 3000 square foot part of the wow. building. And, uh, that is going to be fully operational yeah, yeah. when <laughs> from, we move from, in from now. day one. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, you know, the, I don't know what we're going to do three to five years from now, but we're going to have enough space when everybody moves in uh, originally here because of that added square footage. Now, will you stay at um, at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium where your office is now? Yep, the administration of the UAA will, will stay there in the stadium. Football will move over, obviously training room, equipment mm-hmm. room, strength staff. We'll have a whole new dining <clears throat> dining facility you know, so we'll have some staff over there to manage mm-hmm. that. But yeah. everything else administratively will stay at, at the swamp. And I think you, you, I've asked you personally about this, but a lot of fans ask, what's that building going up um, in front of it? And and <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, you explained it to me, and it made a lot of sense. So if you just tell people what is going in front, because they think, well, you're spending all this money to build a football standalone, and then you put some building in front of it, yeah. and you can't even see it now. Um, that's a new student health facility. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, the new infirmary yeah. campus uh, had uh, had a need for that, and actually had identified that space. And I'll point out that even though uh, McKeithen Stadium sat there before, that wasn't the UAA's land; that was the university's land. The University of Athletics was mm-hmm. using, and when we relocated, university came in and said that part of that of that plot yeah. would be a great place for this student health center. And um, so I think once all the construction stuff is out of the way, you're going to have a great view. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a nice uh, drive leading up to the front of the Hevner. 
building, Hebner Center. The, the Student Health Center is just going to be, you know, add some density there to that location. There was actually some programming that we had in the training room for doctor's offices and exam yeah, examination right. rooms that we were able to take out and repurpose that space for some other things. Um, I think a cryotherapy room and some other float tank type spaces that we, yeah. we wanted to get in there because right across, you know, really mm-hmm. not even across the street, yeah. uh, across a parking spot yeah. is going to be this brand new, beautiful campus student health center that our athletes will have, mm-hmm. you know, really yeah. convenient access to. So it, it worked out really well. Uh, not the worst resource to have right no, now. No, <laughs> I mean, and again, you think about from a recruiting standpoint, you know, to have everything we're going to have in the Hebner Center with the training room and everything from a day-to-day football operations center, and then you have, you know, an extension of the number one hospital in the state of Florida. Right there. The, the student uh, yeah. health center right there. Um, it, there's a lot of benefits. And then that. just logistically with the football trainers and doctors, and, and it's all kind of right centralized right there. Absolutely. Now. And, you know, you still have Limran there with track and volleyball, mm-hmm. and a lot of athletes obviously be coming into the to the Hebner for the, uh, for the dining hall. It's, it's just going to become a, a, a really usable hub. Mm-hmm. Before we get too far down with facilities, we could talk about this all day. Um, you mentioned Billy. Uh, you know, for our listeners, uh, we've talked about it. I, uh, Todd Golden's uh, introductory presser, but just his first you know six months on the job. Um, what's it been like just seeing the early returns there and all the great things that he's done with the program? I know he hasn't coached a game yet, yeah. but uh, to see so many people come out and talk about what it's like for just to work for the guy. And then the players, obviously, what he's kind of done to improve what he calls the player experience. He's a he's a special individual. He's got so many worthy qualities. Um, and in addition to being incredibly bright and having uh, a great motor, his work ethic is off yeah. the chart. Incredibly detailed and organized and obviously methodical and thoughtful about everything you do. As you guys see that part of it. Um, but, the you know, the humility – and and uh, self awareness he has is you tie all that together it's a it's a pretty you can see why he's been a successful leader sure. up to this point and you can see that why he's made the difference he's made at our place in such a short period of time and the connection he makes with people because he it's not about him he genuinely is interested in people I you know I've had situations where. Um, you know, he and I are walking down the hall and we pass, you know, one of the custodial st- custodial staff. And, you know, I've been around for six years now. And so I know him all by name. He's been around six weeks and he's like, hey, Andy, how you doing, man? How's your how's your wife doing? Is she OK? He just he makes connections with people right. that's genuine. You know, yeah. none of this is phony. None of this is fake. Um, we have a young lady uh, who's a who's a student manager. And uh, you know how the managers will always uh, throw footballs on the field before the team comes yeah. out before a game. And this young lady, because uh, I've sat here and watched her the last couple of years, she has the best set of hands on campus. <laughs> I think she, her dad was a coach. You can just tell she's really comfortable, uh, yeah. you know, throwing and catching mm-hmm. a football. And uh, she, she's just, she has, she doesn't catch up against her body. She catches out like you're supposed to. <laughs> and so Billy and I, before the, the orange and blue game, are standing out in the field and the managers are playing. I'm like, hey, do you know who have the, has the best set of receiving hands on this campus? And I said, uh, he said, who? And I said, that young lady over there. And he goes, oh, Katie. Yeah, man, she's unbelievable. I mean, so, he, I mean, we've got, we're having 50 managers. Yeah, and sure. He knows them all by name. I mean, he just, he's got a That's unique impressive. way of, um, and none of it's phony. None of it is is yeah. an act. None of it is I've got to look good. It is is just him being genuine. Um, the other thing I would say is is it's not uncommon when you have 
a brand new, any football coach, a successful coach or a new coach, for them to be um, really passionate about what they need and uh, try to use their force of personality to leverage a situation. And sometimes yeah. those conversations can be really challenging, yeah. right? And and so you can, I'm probably talking around the edges here, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Coach yeah. comes in, hey, this is what I need. What do you mean I can't do it that way? This is what yeah. we're doing. Sure. You know, figure it out. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's anytime you have a new staff, you've got to, okay, what are you trying to do? I saw this request come through, you know, we don't have that in the budget or where do you, where are you taking this out of? How can we figure this out? And Billy's been an absolute joy in every one of those conversations. There's yet to be a bad conversation or a difficult conversation because of the way he handles himself in that. He, he very much has an attitude of tell me, tell me what we have to work with and we'll figure it out. Yeah. And, um, he just, he's, he's just a really genuine, unique leader and i'm you know i'm so excited that he's with us that he's leading the gators uh, the kind of man he is the impact he has on people you know we talked about it uh, probably at, at todd's press conference as well is how important the relational aspect of leadership and coaching is in this day and age mm-hmm. it's always been important i think it's more important than ever and he is he is really gifted in when that he area. brought the parents in i was like whoa I've never thought of doing an event like that where you bring all the parents in for like a meet and greet, but it was basically a recruiting weekend for your the parents of your current players. Yeah. Know? Which in this day and age, you're probably an important thing to do. Yeah, we'll get know? into NIL, but yeah, it <laughs> seems like it used to be you you would get recruited and then you get on campus and you would go through a de recruitment period. Right. And, yeah. And now it's kind of like, nope, you're recruiting for the the whole four years someone's on on campus now. Um but that's something that I remember when at Billy's introductory press conference and we get like this, the handout of um, his contract and all these other things. I'm like, man, this is more money. I think that the staff has, has, he's had allotted for a staff. So, and we asked you about that and you said, well, he just made a compelling case. Can you yeah. get into specifics? Cause I'd never seen it in 10 years at Florida, you know, that no. much money allocated, but you're saying it's not, He's not hiring people just to give them a title and stick them in a corner. Or watch what, popcorn, or, as he or, says. Or, yeah, or watch <laughs> yeah. popcorn. What what was he able to tell you, hey, this is why we need this kind of infrastructure around to run the program that I think we need to run to be successful? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it justice. But, you know, basically he, he has this – he has a vision for what he wants the program – what he mm-hmm. thinks it should look like. Um, and it's very – detailed is very layered by layered i mean um there's a lot of checks and balances there's a lot of people not doing the same job but uh comp- doing complementary jobs mm-hmm. you know so the there there may be a recruiting analyst who's in charge of a certain position group or a certain recruiting area and it's their job to look at tape for those guys but the position coach or the uh, who's either over that position or in that area they also have a responsibility and then you might have um, you know, a, a Katie Turner or a Jacob LaFrance or someone else in the yeah. recruiting office, they have a certain role in the, in that particular process. And then Billy himself has an evaluation role in that process. So everything is well thought out. And there's a lot of things he puts in place to make sure you eliminate mistakes and are as productive as possible. Mm-hmm. And also, and I, I give him a lot of credit for this, to make sure there's a work-life balance. So you don't have one person 24 seven doing, doing, you know, mm-hmm. the, that's all they do and they can't get away and recharge. And, yeah. and, and also you, you, you have different sets of eyes looking at things. Um, I'll tell you this, one of the, I, I, uh, I was talking to someone who had uh, worked for coach Saban 
who, when I was going through the evaluation process, and uh, he was a big fan of Billy's, and this is someone I'd worked with in the past who reached out to me unsolicited, and I had never made the connection. But uh, he said, hey, I, you know, Billy Napier is really special. We got talking about him. And I said, so tell me something, because he was talking, you know, he learned a lot from Coach Saban. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me is um, Coach Saban's had a, had a lot of his former assistants gone to be head coaches to varying levels of success. Mm-hmm. And so I asked the question, why have some of these guys been highly successful and some of these guys are no longer head coaches? What, what's, you know, and why do you think Billy would be one of the ones who would be successful? And without going into, you know, a lot of the, uh, how Coach Saban does what he does, but from what I understand, he is incredibly disciplined in every part of his program, but especially the recruiting piece, meaning he evaluates um, same, a certain number of kids on the same night, the same time, 52 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes over those evaluations with his staff the following day at a certain time, uh, you know, 52 weeks a year. And he makes a certain number of phone calls to kids at the same time every week, 52 weeks a year. And he's just incredibly disciplined and regimented in that. Wow. You can and, set your watch by it. Like yes. Tuesday night at 6.30, Billy's watching tape. Next morning, he's going over that tape of, of those right. eight to 10 guys. And, and, and the evaluation itself is not – is is uh is very detailed mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. it's you know you, you i don't know if y'all have had a chance to hear billy talk about measurements but like you know you ask if i ask him about a recruit or a signee he has, he has he'll numbers. be like you know he's got a four or five verified speed time and his you know hand size is this and this is his wing and yeah. you know he's you know i uh i know what all those things mean i, I don't have like the chart in my head of how to right. calibrate i joked it. with him about that after a press conference i was like i'm just gonna start naming random players yeah and see, if, and see if you've got him because he just he like, does. You ask him about a recruit, uh, not about a recruit because he can't talk about them. But you ask him about a player on the mm-hmm. roster. I mean, I bet you he tell he could tell me Marco Ortiz's verified speed, the long snapping, <laughs> the verified speed, height, weight, maybe even what his GPA was since he just graduated. Yeah. He would have right. all that stuff at the top of his head. So the point is the the answer to the question for this this uh, this mutual friend that Billy and I had was you know the the guys who have been successful who have who have come from uh, coach Saban's lineage have, have kept that discipline Mm -hmm. and the ones who haven't been as successful, they start tweaking it. And before long, they've watered it down to the place where they're they're, They, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And he said, Billy is going to be as close to the the way coach Saban does it as anybody. That's not to say he's coach Saban. So I want to be careful that, you know, you know, coach Saban's by the most successful coach in the history of college. But following those, that formula. You know, yeah, and that discipline, know. and I, so I, I think a lot of of what you see with with Billy, it's a relational based, I'll say faith based approach yeah. Yeah. to Coach Saban's system, and um, so it's really person centered, but it's all the all the football pieces of it, um, you know, come from his his plans and thoughts there come from a really good basis and origin before we transition to nil and everything with that space um speaking specifically to billy and all those qualities that you talked about how i guess grateful and relieved do you feel that you have a head coach that has those qualities to deal with this climate and everything that's Mm. going on where a lot of coaches that maybe don't might just throw their hands up and say "I, i can't do this anymore you know um you know, I, I really enjoy working with Billy. And so yeah. when you're going through challenging 
um, situations or you're trying to figure things out. And certainly where name, image, and likeness is concerned, there's a lot of figuring it out going on right yeah. now. It's it's really nice to be in the boat with somebody that um, you know where they're coming from. You share their their values, mm-hmm. uh, their care. You know, you appreciate their character and what they're made of and how they're going to approach things. You know, Billy is, you know, th- there's there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with NIL that you hear about. I don't know how much of it's true. You know, sure. there's there's my guess is feel free of, to speculate on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my guess is that you know there are some enterprising agents that are putting stuff out mm-hmm. there to try to create a market and um, mm-hmm. or trying to encourage a market. Yeah. Um, but you know, Billy is is really, you know, wants to do it the right way, but also wants Florida to be as successful as we can be. And we want to support our student athletes within the rules to the further, you know, to the maximum extent we can. Well, to me, you can have rules, but if they're not being enforced, are there rules? Like if if I'm on the highway at 2 a.m. and there's not a cop there, that 70 mile an hour on on 75 seems a lot more like a suggestion to me than, than a rule or a law. Now, if the cop is is sitting there behind the, the well, I found out real quick that it's actually a rule, but it seems <laughs> to me that there hasn't been guidance from the NCAA or enforcement, and now you're getting into a situation where it's like you're playing a game with no rules. And I think Billy has even said, you know, we're, we're, we're playing free agency without a salary cap. So yeah. I think that it seems like the NCAA hasn't wanted to enforce it because I think you're going to get litigation from it. Um, and, and Congress has kind of yet to wrap their mind around the whole thing of it. And yeah. it's a, a rapidly changing landscape, I think. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pretty unique intellectual exercise to think about all the I just got derivatives <laughs> of what NIL could be. There are, you know, what the NCAA came out with this week is it kind of reiterated, hey, we NIL is allowed, but the, mm-hmm. there's a rule that has been in place for a long time boosters. that has never been gone, has never gone away, which mm-hmm. is boosters can't be a part of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's never changed. That's always been there. Now, to your point about the speeding analogy, um, my guess is there's boosters who have been a part of the recruiting process in the past, even before name, image, and likeness. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the, there there may and not those be were, those rules weren't getting enforced either. So right. Sorry. So the cop the cops aren't you know they're not going to catch everybody who's speeding. Mm-hmm. Right. We know that. But if you're a law abiding citizen and you you're going to try to do things the right way, you're gonna you, you're gonna say I'm going to do the right thing here. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to cut a corner. Yeah. We're not going to cut a corner. We're going to do things the right way. Uh, we don't want boosters involved in the recruiting process. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously we have some, some couple of high profile collectives that are out mm-hmm. there and some, some athletes that are currently on our campus, not recruits, they're currently on our campus that have benefited seemingly. Yeah. Um, it's limited to what the UAA can have. Any, really, we can't have anything to do with it. Yeah. We hear about it. Yeah. It's supposed to get reported to us. We've had a lot of those reported to us. I don't know that we've had everything reported to us. Mm-hmm. We remind our athletes all the time, hey, don't forget, you got to report this stuff. Sure. But, um, you know, we're, we're going to do things the right way. And, um, you know, we not everybody may do it that way. Even, even at the risk, then, of getting left behind. Yeah, because- so I, this goes back to the relational piece. Yeah. I, I, you're going to get. You're going to be able to get 85 of in the sport of football, and you can say 13 of basketball and go down whatever sport. You're going to be able to get the right kind of young people who are talented enough to be successful mm-hmm. at the level you, at, we want to be successful. At the University of Florida, which is competing for SEC and national championship, you're going to be able to get enough of those kind of kids doing it the right way. I believe that. Yeah. Now, a lot of it is 
that relational piece, that aspect that we talked about of uh, being able to mm-hmm. engage with these people and evaluate the right ones yeah. and make sure they have a lot of opportunity once they come to the University of Florida. But we're not going to promise something ahead of time. Right. And um, I, I think a, I think a lot of um, a lot of this stuff that's happened in the first, you know, what are we? 10 months into NIL. Yeah, so, so we've acted like it's been here 10 years. <laughs> it's been here 10 months. There's a lot of that we're still learning. And a lot of the things that we we fear or, or we're afraid might happen, um, let's wait and see how things play mm-hmm. out a little bit. And obviously, like you mentioned, this is UA doesn't have a part in this, but how much does it help that there are fans at, at Florida that have taken the initiatives that they have, you know, guys like Eddie Rojas and Hugh Hathcock that make sure that they want to do things the right way, but also want to be out there and, and support, you know, and yeah. make sure that Florida's athletes have access to these things. Um, and, and, you know, for Gator Collective to be officially partnered with Florida Athletics. And, and I think for a lot of people that that made them feel at ease that, a, you know, whatever's going on NIL with Florida is going to be done the right way. Um and how how much do you feel, I guess, fortunate to be in that situation as AD? Well, certainly appreciative that there's that culture at the University of Florida. Of we're going we're gonna to do things the right way. We want to be great, but we also want to make sure we're doing it the right way. So, and, you know, the the people you mentioned, the, you know, whether it's uh, Hugh Hathcock or uh, Eddie Rojas, they've been they've been really good about that. Uh, I think they're probably still figuring this thing out the way we <laughs> yeah. all are. So yeah. that's that's just the reality of the situation. But it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, the University of Florida, whatever the rules, kind of like go, I went back earlier and I talked about how Billy just said, tell me what tell me what we have to work with mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. University of Florida is going to be able to figure out any system that's set up. Mm-hmm. If we have name, image, and likeness, we'll be fine. If we don't have name, image, and likeness for athletes, Florida's gonna, the Gators are going to be gr- just fine. We have top five public university. We have one of the top five athletic programs the last 30 years. We, you know, what we're the only sport that's won a national championship in the 2000s and Football, men's basketball, baseball—not to mention track and softball and everything else. Um, you know, we're in a state of 21 million people. We have the most powerful sports brand in this state, and one of the most powerful sports brands in the country. Gators are going to be fine, whatever the the model is. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons it's going to be fine is we've got people who are really committed to being exceptional, but also doing it the right way. Absolutely. And then, you know, as as we kind of look at how this thing kind of moves forward. How do you, you know, and Nick and I have talked about this, you know, there's always been, I think, a, a worry from some fans, and you got asked about this on the show, that, that the Gators would be at a disadvantage. How much will things be uh, easier once facilities kind of get to the point that you guys feel like you guys are caught up in, in that in that sense, in terms of fundraising? You've already, you mentioned you guys have already had a record fundraising year, right. but hmm. you won't have to worry about that once this complex is done. You know, there's... Uh, there's always going to be another facility project. Sure. You said right. that's uh, the best job security for an AD. There's always going to be right. another facility. Um, it's just a fact of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. Your facility plan is always either in need of of new or refurbishment, mm-hmm. um, yeah. or else you're going to fall behind really quickly. So, uh, look, I, 
people, Gator Nation is incredibly passionate. It's huge. It's coast to coast. We've got, you know, it's international actually. Um, we're going to, we're going to be able to, um, mobilize Gators to do what is best for our student athletes and our teams. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to just throw our hands up and say, Oh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to keep working and figuring stuff out. We're going to do things the right way. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do both. You Mm -hmm. can, you know, you can find ways to benefit your, your current student athletes and follow the rules and win at a high level. I, I believe that it starts with having great leadership and, you know, feel really good about a group of coaches we got. I think they're, uh, you know, their minds spinning a little bit right now because this is such a, yeah. a new environment. But, but, you know, there's a, there's a quote that, um, that I've, I heard two or three years ago, maybe during the pandemic. And I, it's so appropriate for now that, uh, and I may get it wrong. So bear with me, but it, <laughs> In times of profound change, the learn the learners inherit the earth, while the learned are beautifully equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Mm, mm. And so we've got a you know one of the great things about our coaches, in addition to being great people and, and, and have the ability to to relate to young people so well, they're incredibly bright. Smart mm. people are always wanting to learn, and they're always going to figure things out. And this is an environment where. Um, no one has the answer right now. I feel like we'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. Does anything change? Um, or what's the education piece to to your boosters? Because for so long, they have been writing checks to UF boosters or to the UAA <laughs> or to booster, UF. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you're like, hey, we need several million dollars for NIL. And what's, is there an education piece? Is there a, a push and pull between the different organizations? Because I, I know that you have needs to raise money for NIL and there's yeah. the collective and, and uh, the Gator Guard, but has there been an education piece for that? Yes. And that's ongoing. Um, you know, we, this is an opportunity to support athletes in a way that you couldn't in the past. Mm-hmm. That's within the rules that, that is, is on the up and up. Um, part of the, the benefit, if you will, of Gator Collective becoming an official sponsor is to kind of signal, hey, this is this is uh, legitimate, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Nobody's this is yeah. under the table. We're not hiding anything here. So many people were like three ninety nine, four ninety nine. What do you mean? This, right. what, what, like, what are we getting? That I think that it, you guys partnered and gave them the legitimacy to maybe yeah. even get some of the bigger dollars that you know isn't just the the normal person, right? The question is going to be is is that are those collective type models going to be sustainable? Right mm-hmm. now, we don't know. It's yeah. brand new. Um, Hey, the 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 NIL that I that we all know is going to be sustainable is when you have a high profile student athlete who's a current student athlete, not a former student athlete, current student athlete who's high profile enough to get legitimate marketing sponsorship yeah. opportunities that are have significant dollar figures right and here we, in this state, and we've got those. Yeah. We have those on our campus now. We have young people who are benefiting in that way. Those are the ones that are going to be sustainable because there's a business model behind it that right. allows it to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I think the Gators are going to be just fine because a lot of that's going to naturally happen, sure. right? You know, yeah. what would Tim Tebow have done <laughs> without anybody, a collective or anything? What would Tim Tebow have done? What would yeah. Joe Kim Noah have been able mm-hmm. to do? Al um, Horford. <laughs> Al Horford, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bridget Sloan. You know, yeah, look yeah. at Trendy Thomas. Right. Trendy has had some opportunities. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's, there are, we have a lot of athletes on our campus right now that are, that are, you know, that people understand uh, that they have 
name, image, and likeness value, and they, they can really help them promote whatever it is they're wanting to promote. The collectives are going to be an important part, too, or have been an important part here in the short term of NIL. Um, I think that's a really unique way. I, I run into a lot of Gators who um, who want to have contribute in, in this area, that think that this is really special. They yeah. want to find a way to uh, legitimately support our mm-hmm. athletes yeah. outside of paying for scholarships or outside of helping pay for facilities, other, other things they've done through sure. Gator Boosters or the UF Foundation in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And as you, you mentioned, you know, the young coaches that you got, it was it was kind of interesting. Um, the spring game out there had to be fun for you to look out on Florida Field and you got, you know, basically the future of your football program and your two hoops programs mm-hmm. out there. Um, what's it like kind of embarking on this new chapter? Uh, we've talked about with football, but also with Kelly Ray Finley and, and Todd Golden and just what those sports obviously mean to this this campus and community. Well, they're you know, they're, they're three different individuals, but they have a lot of commonalities. I, I mean, I keep going back to the relational piece. They're all three, obviously, um, really strong with, with how they interact with people and how they represent the Gators. Um, you know, Kelly's a little unique because she's been here, and then we actually, mm-hmm. you know, she served as interim this year. Yep. And we got She obviously did a great job and uh, was real – it was a proud moment to be able to give her the opportunity yeah. to continue and, and see what she can do going forward to uh, build that program. And um, she's – you know, she's just, she's a lot of fun and she's, she's the kind of person that, you know, you quickly want to be around and you want to, you want to see her do well, right? <laughs> she just, she's someone that's really easy to root for. Can you take us behind the scenes of that a little bit? Because there was like a, a groundswell of fan support. <laughs> yeah. um, Kim Mulkey came out and said, I don't yeah. know what you, I don't know yeah. what Scott Strickland's doing, didn't name me by name, but she should have been hired already. So there was a groundswell of support. Just can you take us behind the scenes? What was the thought process like of that? And then for you to be able to do it in front of the team in the locker room like that. What was that moment like? You know, when, uh, when we named Kelly, the interim, uh, two things. Number one, I said, Kelly, you go coach this team. You're going to have an opportunity at this thing, but you focus on coaching the team. And, and I promise you, we're going to be fair with you as we go through this process. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at some other people. I'm going to explore the market, but you're going to have an opportunity at the end of the day. And so, but I don't want you worrying about that. I want you just focused on, taking care of these young ladies. And to her credit, she did that. And so uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to honor that. I didn't want to like in the middle of January, you know, okay, we're going to, you know, now we're not going to wait to the end of the year because I told her, let's get to the end of the year and then we'll figure this out. Um, And she was a pro, right? She Mm -hmm. handled it magnificently. Um, We did, you know, look around and and did a bunch of research, uh, talked to a lot of people in that sport, uh, spent a lot of time, uh, evaluating other potential candidates, yeah. Um, but it, you know, it became became obvious just the job she was doing mm. that that uh, Kelly was going to be someone that was going to be hard to, to top. You know, the other thing I was I was going to say is when we named Kelly the interim in my announcement, my public statement, I said we will name a permanent coach in at the end of the season. I didn't say we would name a new coach. Mm-hmm. I said we'd name a permanent coach because in the yeah. back of my mind, I was really pulling for Kelly mm-hmm. because I'd, you know, I'd been around her. I right. really, she was someone that was very popular in the department. And so um, I think like a, there, the week of the last regular season ga- set of games, um, she formally interviewed with a group of us, did a great job. And um, so I guess it was what the day after the last regular season game mm-hmm. yeah. we named her. So we, you know, we kind of honored the, the we're going to let them focus on the season. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the players are obviously very excited. They, they were, 
she makes connections, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, she's had a connection with those young ladies. She recruited most of them and they really trust her. And that was, uh, it was fun to see their reaction when she, we told them that she was going to have the opportunity going forward. Before you touch on Todd, um, you, you had probably the craziest dynamic. I, I don't think a lot of ADs go through where you had two of your, you know, both of your hoops programs and the fans, one, one sector of them was saying, hire this coach. <laughs> and the other sector was saying, fire this coach. Um, and, you know, obviously you've talked at length about Mike White and what he's meant to you uh, in this program. But I always thought, you know, looking at it from the outside, he was clearly a candidate at other schools. You know, I think it was Arizona. He was, you know, uh, rumored or reported to be a candidate for that job the year before. And then obviously this past year, Ole Miss is after him, Georgia's after him. And fans are calling for a coaching change. Whether or not that was something you even wanted to consider, from a financial standpoint, doesn't really make sense to pull the plug when you know that a coach could, you know, or, or other school could come and hire your coach. Is that something that you had to weigh? And, and, you know, how did you feel like it maybe worked out for everybody that they kind of got what they were looking for? You know, number one, obviously, great respect for Mike and as a person and yeah. um, never had any issues with him. And, I know he worked his tail off for the Gators. Um, You know, I was prepared to, you know, it's a disappointing year and you're prepared to do uh, what you do at the end of every year when it's like that is sit down and have, you know, the conversation of how do we get better and how do we improve and um, what's this going to look like? And um, never had a chance to have that conversation, right? Because Mm -hmm. he walked in before then and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Georgia job and, um, you know, at that point, you you know, you want to, you know, make sure that this is what's best for him and his family. And if he yeah. felt that way, you want to, you know, be understanding and supportive. I don't like the fact that we're going to, com- you know, compete against him a couple times a year, mm-hmm. um, just from a, on a personal level, right? Yeah. You, just, you know, but um, it, it's certainly unique. It's unusual. You know, given given the you know when you put everything in the you know, list everything that was going on as, as far as, you know, the dynamics there. Um, maybe not that surprising on balance, but, um, you know, after that conversation, it was, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to say, okay, let's go, let's go find, you know, next great leader and someone that can, uh, you know, embrace, you know, what Florida basketball has been. And, um, and, you know, everybody talks about Billy, you know, Billy's the one who set the standard, Billy Donovan, Coach Donovan set the standard, no question. But the Gators had success before Billy. And, yeah. you know, you got to honor that. It can't just be about we got to be just like Billy. We got to, you know, Lon Kruger had some success and mm-hmm. there was some success, you know, some teams before then. Um, but you, you can't be afraid of of following someone like that yeah. at the University of Florida. And I'm speaking from experience, right? You know, yeah. I follow Jeremy <laughs> Foley. And you can go down the list of of um, if, if you're coming into a, a leadership position – for the Gators, more than likely, someone who came before you was really successful, <laughs> and people really like that person. And yeah. you've got to be comfortable in who you are to to not let that bother you, and sure. to be your own person. You you know, we're not Todd Golden is not going to be Billy Donovan, but he is going to do his best to emulate the success Billy had in his own way. Sure. Um, same thing with Billy Napier and Coach Spurrier or Urban or whatever you know, whatever other coaches you want to point out there, and you can go down the list of We've had a lot of successful coaches mm-hmm. that yeah. have come through here, a lot of successful people. So 
Um, ton here right now. <laughs> what's that? I said there's ton here right now with yeah. mouse and Tim. Yeah, and absolutely. Gosh, and gosh. and there's gonna have to be somebody coming behind them, ready to take that mantle and say, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna. That's not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna be shaken by that. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna be intimidated by that. Sure. And that's one of the things that I think. You know, um, Todd understands that. And Billy understands it. And and you know, they're they're excited for that opportunity to kind of build on. I always kind of explain it that you know. You're not replacing Billy Donovan. I didn't replace Jeremy Foley, but it's almost like the UAA is this this big banquet table, and they make room for another seat to slide someone else in. And so we've slid a chair in for Billy Napier. We've slid a chair in for Todd Golden, and I think they're going to fit in just fine at that table. Is, is there a thought in your head, though, to be like, hey, Billy, we have a chair here for you, just like send send the UEP text to Billy? <laughs> to, and, to Billy and Donovan? Like, hey, do you want to – you want to come back? Like the office is still here for you, just in case yeah. you want to give college a try again. You know, I he was the first person I called after Mike left my office uh, to offer the job to, <laughs> um, you know, let him know. Mm-hmm. And you know, hey, I want to make you aware. I didn't want you to read hear about it. You know, on on the ticker or anything, and uh, love any thoughts you might have. And uh, you know, one of the thoughts was not Scott. I'd come back. That was not one of the thoughts he offered. <laughs> okay. yeah. But. but if the yeah, avenue was there, there yeah. hey. But I, I do value, you know, obviously, how could you not value what Billy did oh, and, sure, and want to pick his brain? It's just the same way I pick Jeremy Foley's brain all the time because okay. he did a lot of really cool things and has it's a great perspective. Mm-hmm. And so um, – How unique was it that he had some exposure to Todd and was able to give you feedback? Yeah, it's really cool. You know, another um, – Mark Dagnall, who's the coach of the Thunder yep. Uh, yep. in the NBA, who was an assistant for Billy here. I've gotten to know a little bit as well. Mark was someone else who who you know gave me Todd's name early on. Yeah, and because uh, the analytics, because the analytics, yeah. and his point was, I think I may have mentioned this in the press conference that Mark said everything in the NBA is analytic based. Mm-hmm. Everything who you draft, how you run your scouting report, um, how you run your practices, everything. Mm-hmm. And his his comment was, I'm surprised more of that has not gotten into college sports, college basketball, and. You know, there's a handful of guys who are, who are kind of leaning into that, and Todd Golden's one of them. And, you know, Mark did not know Todd personally, but knew a lot about him because of the analytic piece. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, as we wrap up with uh, Scott Strickland, I know we had some fan questions that we wanted to uh, make sure that they, you know, could get some of their questions asked. Um, one of them that we got was, obviously, you've had to, you know, go through, you know, coaching hires and stuff. What have you learned about that here at the University of Florida? Um, and just, you know, everything that comes with this job, I guess, regardless of the sport, but then also specific to some of the sports and some of the hires that you've had to make. Yeah, you know, fit's really important. And you say that everywhere, but uh, I probably have a better understanding of what that fit means. Um, I do think the relational aspect that I talked about earlier is is probably emphasized um, more than ever. In the past, I probably have made the mistake I know I've made the mistake of overvaluing the technical aspects of coaching. Mm-hmm. Not that those aren't important, but I don't think it's, it's as important as the leadership relational piece of coaching. And, and culture building. Exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, there's three things that you get, that a good coach has to do. They've got to be able to attract the right people. They've got to be able to lead that group of people. And then they've got to be able to put them in position to be successful. And the drawing up the X's and O's to me are that third part. And that's probably the least important part. Yeah. Getting the right people, mm-hmm. making sure you can lead them, creating the culture, the accountability, all that. Make sure everybody is on the same page. Those two pieces have to be there before the 
putting them in a position to be successful on game day matters yeah. at all. So just kind of understanding that uh, is has been really a, a learning process. I've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I'm I'm excited that we get a chance to get some people in here. Maybe can maybe shows I've I've learned from some of those mistakes. But, but as you yeah. mentioned on Steve's show, you don't bat a thousand <laughs> you know, in this position. You know, no, no ads do. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know of one who has yet. <laughs> um, just seeing the the women's basketball situation play out, and then women's soccer, and, and how swiftly you kind of move with soccer, I, I wondered if maybe that was something you had learned through going through one situation, and, and then seeing the way soccer was kind of playing, and all the girls hitting the transfer portal, uh, and, and then talking to Coach Amato, and I was wondering, well, that move seemed quick, and, <laughs> and maybe that's just something Scott's learned. Um, hey, the culture in the program wasn't working or the way that the foundation was being laid because it was new coaches that wasn't working is that something you learned from from going through women's basketball into soccer you know i i I think everything every situation is unique but you can learn something from every situation sure and um you know the women's basketball we we had first couple years heard some issues the last couple years we heard no issues Mm -hmm. and you know after the fact after uh cam wasn't here some people came up and said, well, this was happening, but that never got back to us. So one of the things we learned is we've got to strengthen the ability for us to get real-time information and make sure that athletes have the ability to communicate and are comfortable doing so. Mm -hmm. And so we've put some things in place that, that um, was, was helpful the last few months um, with soccer. But I think your point is, you know, when you, I have confidence in every one of our coaches on campus that they are leading their program and going to be able to build the culture and and put us in a position to be successful. But the minute you lose the confidence that someone can do that, hmm. you've got to make a change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it happened last fall in football. It happened uh, in in the soccer piece. And you've got to you got to be willing to move on. And, you know, there's there's a part of that is, you know, you're admitting a mistake. Um, the worst thing for me to do would be to say, well, I don't want to admit a mistake, so I'm just going to con- let this person Double continue yeah. in a role that they don't need to be in mm-hmm. because that's because because, you know, and basically put what what worry about what people think about me more than I worry about what's best for the Gators. Yeah. So if you're worried about what's best for the Gators, once you've realized you've lost confidence in, in that person's ability to lead, you got to make a change, especially with your relationship and history with Dan. I mean, I asked you after that press, that must have been a one of the most difficult decisions you made in your AD career. Well, and, and not only, uh, you know, just because Dan and I had a long work experience together, but, you know, he had had a lot of success. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. three new, new Year's six yeah. bowls and there was it one uh, bad year. Yeah. And, you know, the, I, uh, one of the things is when you win, sometimes winning can, can hide issues, mm-hmm. right? There can be issues there that you overlook or you think aren't as a big a deal because you're winning games. They're not affecting anything. Right. Well, look, we're winning. Yeah. You know, and um, so wins and losses a lot of time are symptoms. And if you're not careful, you can misdiagnose the symptoms. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that that's a situation where obviously this year the the, the symptoms started showing on the field mm-hmm. that uh, some of the concerns you had may be more significant than you thought. It was time to do something there. And then final question for you, Scott, from our uh, readers at Gators Online. Uh, and you mentioned this. It, it never stops with facilities. And if you once you get to the complex, there's going to be the next. What's going to be – what's on your agenda after the complex um, is, is finished and that opens up you know, this summer? Um, what are some of the things that you have on the docket next that you want to attack? Um you know, a big part is going to be uh, uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That's just you know that, and that's going to be a facility project that's going to run 
you know, several hundred million dollars. Mm. And so um, I wish we were further along to, to move quicker on that. But when you're considering spending that kind of money, you, you know, you want to measure twice and cut mm-hmm. once, as yeah. they say, right? So um, we've got two or three approaches we can take there. And, and we've, we've, uh, we've vetted some of those options pretty complete, pretty thoroughly, but we're, we're going to run a few more options out just to, as far as what that needs to look like. Um, the, the, the end goal is the same, whatever option, whatever approach we take. And the end goal is to have, uh, you know, we need to moder- we need an updated, I hate to use the word modern because <laughs> it, you know, that's such an iconic facility, but we need to be able to better accommodate people um, at the swamp. We need to make it a better experience for people when they come. Um, we need some things need to be updated. And there are some areas of modernized, you sure. know, video board, sound system, lights, uh, lights. Um, but North you know, end zone TV board. Con- yes. Con- but concourse space is, mm. is not right size for the number of people in there. Yeah. Concessions and restrooms and the premium spaces need a lot of work. Uh, we, we have opportunity for new premium spaces. There's just, there's a lot that goes into that. And instead of just starting to slap stuff up, we're trying to come up with a really comprehensive way to approach it and, and sequence it. Uh, obviously we want to, you know, when you start digging into that kind of stuff, it's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause you to, to miss games yeah. in Gainesville. You, right, wanna, yeah. you know, you want to sequence things where you can make sure you're, you're playing all your games. Cause it's probably going to be something that takes more than one off season mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. So man, that's, that's going to be a, that's a real focus. I know people, when I, when I have this conversation, people's mind goes all over the place and usually, you know, don't make me move my seat and, uh, but give are me you, more, you, but more, give me more leg room, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, well, that's a big thing is people are saying, well, is the capacity going to be lower? And you're thinking, well, if you're putting in chair backs, then you're not squeezing people in, into bleachers anymore, but are bleachers comfortable? Or would you rather sit at home in front of an 80 inch TV right. with, with air condition, uh, you know, on your lazy boy. Right. So you're trying to combat the at home experience to give yourself a, give them a, a show kind. to come to. Yeah. It's that's, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, a tricky balance. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting, and I'm not I, I'm not I love getting ninety thousand people in the swamp, right? And there's a real energy and a real vibe, and we want that for as long as people want to be able to want that opportunity. But I was at the I had a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year, and the the new stadium out in L.A., which is it's probably and I'm eyeball I don't know, but just being in it, eyeballing it, I'd say it's about thirty percent taller than the swamp, and and they have seventy thousand seats. Mm. You know, everything's a chair back. There's tons of premium and it is, it is, you know, huge. Yeah. And so, you know, a big price tag there too. (laughs) You know, you look at Raymond James stadium or, you know, some of the, you know, how big those things are. The footprint I'm guessing of those stadiums are bigger than the swamp Mm -hmm, and they don't seat as many people. And so there is some, some simple geometry that goes, you know, physics that comes into play here that you've got to figure out. And maybe, maybe we can, uh, build enough new structure to accommodate 90,000 if that's the right number. Um, but yeah, whenever you start and, and every little thing has a trickle down, you know, if mm. you take the 16 and a half inch seats, bleacher yeah. seats we currently have and you make them 18 inches. So give everybody an extra inch and a half. <laughs> how many, how many does that reduce yeah. across? Everybody's the board. moving over, you know, yep. the first guy only moves over an inch and a half, but yeah. the next guy's moving over three inches. Mm-hmm. The next guy, you know, before mm-hmm. long, you've, you've got people who are on the, the guy in 20 the yard line now. Now all of a sudden in the end zone, exactly. Where does seat go here. <laughs> So um, it's a it's it's a really complex layered puzzle. It's gonna be it's it's been fun to work on. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be really fun once we uh, land on 
a, a specific plan and get a chance to share it with everybody and and see it come to no no to date fruition. in mind for a goal. Yeah, uh, you know that's still that's yeah, still being worked let on. Let me keep that to myself for now. Well, one thing I hope you won't keep to yourself. This is I'm selfishly ask this real quick before we leave. I know you always got a short list. What is your short list? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the next concert in Ben Hill Griffin ah. Stadium. <laughs> Do you have some names that you can share with us? I, can, can we put in some requests? Yeah, I'll take requests. Absolutely. Drake? Drake? I, I, would, I would say Drake? Zach. Zach has a musical well, album. I don't think I could fill the swamp. You could, you could open. You could open <laughs> could for open. somebody. I could open. But Drake? Does Drake do stadiums? Drake, uh, Drake, Drake would definitely do Drake a stadium. Drake would fill the stadium. He would okay. fill the stadium. I don't know okay. if you could afford him. I don't know if we're still fundraising, but Drake would fill the stadium. Okay. Or, or I don't know what it would cost either. I went sure. down and saw Kenny Chesney at uh, at Raymond's James, Raymond James uh, at the end of April. Spur would be about that. And uh, <laughs> I saw Kenny up in... Uh, quite a scene. Yep. I was in high school. I saw him at Summerfest up in Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin is beautiful in the summer. Um, and he came out of a... Um, one of those like big travel boxes that like they put speakers <laughs> or stuff in and it was just like sitting in the middle of the amphitheater and all of a sudden uh, when the sun goes down starts playing and he pops out of this like travel box in the middle of an auditorium and then there's of course security all around him because now he's walking through a standing only crowd up oh, to wow. the stage it was really really cool scene he does I a have, great show I have a teenage daughter that's uh, made a case for Taylor Swift so you know Ooh. would sell out an arena. Yeah, you gotta go with what's gonna sell out. What are the country yeah. artists that would sell out? I mean, there's a bunch. Yeah. I, I just saw Garth Brooks at. That's been done. No, I saw him at Death Valley, and they had 110,000 people. He starts playing Call in Baton Rouge. That's a yeah. That's goes a whole crazy. Vibe I'm sure. There. Yeah. You know, um, that was a lot of fun. The Garth yeah. concert, and um, people still talk about that. Yeah, right? we want we want to get some more. I, I think there's some opportunities too with. Uh, uh, with Condren Ballpark, maybe to have some yeah. all obviously you know different kind different of acts, mm-hmm. yeah. but that'd be a fun outdoor little venue there. Maybe in the fall, you uh, let us know when weekend. you need it covered. We'll be we'll be front front stage. <laughs> and I'll get yelled at. I still get yelled at all the time about the uh, about left center. They want you to plant some tall palm trees in left center. You know, I would love, and I tell them you thought of everything because you we, when you were taking me yeah. around before it was even built, you're talking about. Well, the first base box, the first base box camera shoots this way, yeah. and we need to have stuff because there's nothing over there. And I was like, I wouldn't have thought of that. I don't think you can plant big enough trees um, that are going to mature quick enough to cover what's in left field. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm I'm trying to tell our friends at IFAS that that would be a great spot for a beautiful new brick brick IFAS building. That's yeah. IFAS land yeah. over there. Um, they haven't, you know. <laughs> they haven't taken me up on that yet. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we put some billboards in left field that like we, we list championships on or something. To, Cause I, I, I totally agree with uh, everybody's thoughts on that. Yeah. And if we're naming things, when is the press box going to be named uh, after a certain writer? Well, you know, Pat Dooley hadn't picked a date yet okay. when he wants that to happen. So he, he wanted me to ask you that. That's what he was calling both yeah. of us for. We, yeah. He knew we were Pat coming. Calling, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, Scott, we appreciate you taking out the time, coming up here and uh, having a great uh, almost hour with us. We didn't yeah. we didn't keep you quite as long as Steve, but uh, 
you didn't take any calls. So I enjoyed it. Easier combo. It's good and, stuff. Uh, appreciate all you all for listening. You guys can go back and watch this on YouTube and Facebook as well. For Nick Del Torre, Scott Strickland, I'm Zach Albaverde.